Welcome to the Fully Alive Man podcast. This is a podcast to help men become fully alive by doing life together. Hey guys, my name is Robbie Engel. I work at North Point Community Church and I am here with my co-host Lee Rogers and we are talking to guys who want to be fully alive and you are designed to do that not alone but in community with other guys. So you're in men's groups, married groups, and if you're not, you should be because that is a key component to helping us thrive and to grow as men. And today we are going to jump into understanding what relationships look like, why it's so difficult, how God has designed us, and then we're going to set you up with a key question to have a conversation on how to have more intentional, impactful relationships with the guys in your men's group or married group. It's going to be productive, and it's going to be challenging. We hope you guys enjoy. It's going to be a lot of fun. Lee, are you excited? I'm ready, man. I'm hyped. I'm feeling it. I'm ready to go. I say before we get started, you know me pretty well, and you know that I prefer some relational time. I'm a if you if you look What's at up? the personality color test, I'm a yellow. It's fun. It's the preferred personality of most people, as far as I understand it. Do we need a hug right now? And I don't know what you're asking me. So we're getting to something. This is going to be like a mental relational <laughs> hug for you, for me, I guess. So I, I set up a couple of questions oh, just great. to Here see we go, guys. how well we know each other. And so I want to know how well you know me, Robbie. It's time to get real. Oh, Let, let's test recording? our friendship. How long, how long have you known me, by the way? Five years? Six uh, years? No, probably four. Somewhere that's interesting because we've worked together for almost five years and we, we've known each other really for this is going well so far. Question. Dang this it. is going really well. All right, here's my real questions, and you're welcome to ask me back any question. Oh, I will. Um, but here's what occurred to me first. I have, as as I I think you know, several siblings. Do you know the name of any of my one brother or three sisters? Yeah, Sarah, okay, Allison. <laughs> And Laura. <laughs> nope. I really appreciate you taking what? a shot, but not even close. Aaron, who you've met here probably at North Point. Yeah, I said um, Aaron. Heather and Faith and my brother Steve. Um, and You yeah. know I'm bad with names. You know it's like my Achilles Let's, heel. Why are you going to team gonna me up the on name. the air I'm like just this. saying how well you know me. You know me, and that was mean. You know? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You should care enough for me not to ever ask me that question what again. What are my siblings' names? I, no, know I don't your even siblings name. No, you cheated you have, probably because you read these you questions. You have two brothers and one sister. I know that. You have an older sister, two younger brothers. Your brother's name is Patrick, and you have a sister and another brother. Man, well done. <laughs> I don't know your sister's okay, name. Okay, you got a point. Name. What's the next question but I know since this, you cheated? Sure great. All right, so... Here, here. This should be a little easier. Where did I grow up? Right here, down the road. Yeah, I did Local grow up boy. down the road. And you grew up in North Carolina, am yep. I right? Yep. Where was I born? Uh, I assume here. Yeah, wrong assumption. Um, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. We're, we're upping the game at the Fully Live yeah, Man podcast. with game music. No, I was born in <laughs> South Georgia. Good to know. Do you know where I was born? Yeah, I know where you were born. You were born in Greensboro, North Carolina. <laughs> Did cheated. I nail that? Did you I just cheated. nail that? No, I was Boom. born in South Korea. I'm a <laughs> way off, Lee. Way off. I have a good friend. Okay. <laughs> How old was I when I had my first kiss? Ooh. I feel like it was like 20s. 
No, it was like 13. I think it was 13, actually. Woo! I summer, got a point. Summer after seventh grade, I think Come it was on. 13. I got it. Um, and you were seven. 16. 16? 16. Wow, you were a good, godly, righteous <laughs> teenager. I'm so proud of you. Um, okay, what kind of music was I into in my adolescent years? Rock. What defined you wanted it? to be a rock star? What rock? Come on, rock. I don't know. Like, what were you, a uh, high schooler in the 70s? Like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever That's that was. Amazing. <laughs> well, if you really knew me, I feel like you would know Pearl Jam okay. defined my life for right. several years. That's strong. Yep. You're a Weezer guy. Yeah. I yeah. know this. I know this about you. Rock. That's why I chose the question because I, I knew the <laughs> yeah, answer. Yeah, we all know. Um, do I prefer the mountains or the beach? I think mountains. I hope we leave that pause in so everyone can feel uh, it. You're a mountains guy. Yeah. I'm a beach guy. But I love the mountains. <laughs> what this is, is horrible. Mountains? You go to the mountains way more. I do. Well, because it's free. Yeah. Yeah, so Fair I enough. go there. Um, Man, I feel like a horrible friend. We need to go spend some time together. We do. Hear At the beach. Um, finally, last question. The do you know me question. What is my greatest irrational phobia? Greatest irrational phobia. All right. All right. Your fear is Jason Day not working for you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> my fear is having to do all the work yeah is that what you're yeah. saying you've been enabled he, yeah yeah I, that's your fear. i wasn't aware that that was it but that very well may be my i think it's falling falling falling, falling like yeah from some like i've had that nightmare where like i've had that nightmare where i'm falling off of um the top of a stadium or huh. something i've had it like a million times that's interesting yeah um and i would guess that yours is Trick question. I have no fears. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> your fear is us finding out what your fear is. Um, I think your fear is having no purpose or significance in this world. Did <laughs> I so that? deep in you. Know, <laughs> yeah. So much stuff. Also heights. Heights. Really? Uh, and snakes. Heights give you the creeps. Oh, I ran over a huge five-foot snake. Snakes? Uh, yeah. I, you I, live in the woods. Bro, I ran over it in my car, and I was like, oh, I <laughs> Like, I just felt it under my tire and messed with me. Gosh, that doesn't yeah, even bother snakes me. and heights. Huh. All right, good. Hey, it's great to get to know you. I feel relationally hugged. I feel like we need some relational time because I feel like a horrible friend. So after this, we're going to go spend some time, Lee. Yep. We're just going to quiz each other on family <laughs> names. Guys, uh, if you've been listening for a while, you've heard our plan ideas, thoughts about going to the next level as a group. But we feel like we need to go deeper and um, really jump into what we're talking about when it comes to uh, understanding the concept of being known and authentic community and creating that biblical community and what that looks like. Because the underlying tension is there is an epidemic of loneliness. I've read so many articles, it feels like, the past few years and studies of of how loneliness is linked more and more to physical diseases and illnesses and death. Uh, stats are showing suicide rates among men going up over the past 20 years in, in pretty significant numbers. And also, there's a recent study that uh, studied men in different seasons of life, uh, high schoolers, college-age guys, millennials, Gen Y, Gen Z, baby boomers, 
And pretty across the board, it's at concerning levels, particularly for millennials and Gen X. It's alarming degrees of loneliness in such a hyper-connected world. That kind of shocked some people that this new young generation feels more lonely and disconnected than ever. So we're going to talk for a couple minutes on why this is and why this epidemic feels more significant. And it makes sense. If we step back and look at the changes in society and culture, even in the past 10 years compared to like 100 years ago, there's some major differences that we should be aware of and then understand what God's design is to see how far off we are. And if we know how far off we are from God's design of how we can thrive as men, then we can make a plan, which we want to do today to remedy that and move towards that design that God has for us. But first, Let's just be real and step back collectively as a group of men listening to this and look at different aspects of our life and how it's changed. Because it's not like we're a bunch of fools who don't like people and ended up lonely. There's some real patterns and changes in communication, culture, church, and community that have made a huge difference. So communication, Lee, we communicate completely differently. So I, when I was a kid, like I planned a call on my corded phone and would spend 30 minutes talking on the phone. Now I, I can't even remember the last time I talked to someone 30 minutes on the phone. Yeah, you mean we communicate differently now than we used to. That's right. We, we communicate in snippets, sound bites, and not in... Texting and, yeah, typing and whatever's easy. Email's too slow, but a call's too fast yeah, or yeah. something. I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard Gary Goleman, the the comedian. He says um, he, he was just... He's hilarious, but he was talking about um, his phone. He says, to me, the phone is just this seldom used app on my phone. And if you use it on me, I am furious. How dare you? You do not call me unprovoked out of the blue. That's awesome. It's hilarious. Like before, it was like you called somebody. You, to talk. You accent because you had to call a home. Yeah. You didn't call yeah. a person. You had to talk to a parent usually. And then the person you wanted yep. to talk to. Yep. And it was like, it and was, your grandma would call in the evenings and talk because yes. she was out of town, and you'd pass the phone around and all have a chat. Totally different communication. The the next one is culture. The pace of life with technology is so fundamentally different. And futurists wrote a lot 20, 30 years ago about how it, at this season in history we would be working twenty hour weeks because machines and and all these things would make our need for busyness and work so much less dependent on us. But the opposite has happened. People are working longer hours and are busier than they've ever felt in their life, which is completely um, different than a lot of people assume technology would change. Yeah, and constantly trying to cram more in. I know I am. And that's very different than what was predicted that technology would change in our culture. And, and it's almost cramming more and more in. But it, but honestly, it seems to me more even busyness than anything else. It's like a need to be busy. It's almost feeding to, itself, to like keep up with the pace. We're of glorifying life or productivity, something. and then that is never enough, and so we keep trying to be more productive. Yeah, it's almost like we. It's like I can do a little more, so I should do a little more. Yeah, so it's too much. That's a maybe. That's a podcast for another day. The third aspect I want to talk about is church, because a hundred years ago, the church was the local church for the neighborhood on the corner, and you were neighbors, and you went to church together, and you saw them on Sunday. And for the guys listening to this podcast, a lot of you guys go to North Point or one of the partner churches, and they're churches of thousands. And and 
that's hard for the organic community that can happen in those smaller local neighborhood-based churches. Well, yeah, and church is not the defining factor or solution um, to loneliness. There's a ton of lonely guys in this church. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would contrast what most of his experience with church with the biblical community that's talked about in the Bible, in Acts, when the, the early church was starting. I mean, you, we read in Acts 2, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, spending time together, eating together. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That mm. is a far contrast from, honestly, any church I've experienced. And I, I would you know, encourage anyone not to get hung up in the, the wonders and signs and giving away all their possessions, but just to look at the care and connection yeah. that happens in those, I don't know, five verses. So you're saying even if even if a church has 100 people and ha is more naturally aligned for community in a relational way, it's still showing up on Sundays a lot and not what you just read about in Acts. That's right. A church can be, yeah, a church can be a, a religious institution or um, a weekly meeting or something like that, which is something, yep. but it's not deep community in any way. Which church is a gathering of believers, really, the terminology, and we've started limiting our thinking of church as a show up Sunday at nine o'clock to the building. Well, Andy Stanley says that the, the term ecclesia got translated at some point, the house of God, mm. away from its original translation of the gathering. And that's a, that's a different goal that shapes that, I don't know, that meeting differently. So we know culture, society, technology, how we communicate, how we gather, where we live, even in suburbs and not walkable distance to a bunch of people's houses. All that's changed, which has led to this epidemic where men are lonely and isolated and separated, and the outcomes are pretty detrimental. And Scripture gives us these indicators of some type of community of believers that feels very different than what most of us are experiencing. So how do we move towards that? And what else does Scripture tell us, Lee, about ideas of what this would look like? Like, Help me understand more what you think this design that God has for us in regards to biblical community, authentic community, can and should yep. look like. So I'm going to throw out a couple more scriptures, and there's another passage in Acts 4 that just beautifully describes what that early church or community kind of looked like. But there are other scriptures that, that probably most people listening have heard before or know, but something like, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Mm. Like I hear that kind of verse most often when people are trying to get something in prayer, mm. but not with the idea that when we're together as a community, it's like being with God. It's like something we were made and designed to do in a divine way. Um, or the slightly overused proverb, um, slightly overused in men's ministry environments that says, as 
iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Mm-hmm. Um, that just gives us picture of friction and hammers and heat and and things that I don't know that it's difficult to to shape something. Um, and then proverb, another proverb, seventeen seventeen says, "A friend loves at all times, and a brother." is born for times of adversity. Mm. Just to the credit of what those stats that you were giving earlier that um, being lonely is difficult for our health. We we need a brother in times of adversity. Um, Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the laws of Christ. Um, to think that we could, I mean, the laws of Christ, uh, I guess, are loving God and loving one another as you love yourself, and we're doing that when we're helping each other out, carrying um, each other's burdens. And then the last one that comes to mind is just First John one seven that says, "But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin." And it's just this picture of, in some way, we are walking in the light of God when we are living in relationship, when we're living in community, when we're doing life with others. The principle that these verses allude to is so significant that he has designed us to experience and to receive and to give love in the context of relationships, because love is the giving and meeting of needs, and we cannot do that in isolation. And John 13, 34, and 35 says, By this, they'll know that they're my disciples by the way they love one another. So experiencing the Spirit of God in your life and experiencing God's love through you to me because the Spirit of God is in you is how I experience God's love, how I experience love, how I grow, how I am known as a disciple, how I sharpen each other, where God shows up in the context of those relationships. We are designed relationally, men. And we say this and we talk about it and then we... A year goes by and two years go by, and I still feel disconnected and lonely because of pace, communication, culture, kids, all the different reasons which make us normal and not alone. And you may have even jumped in and out of a a men's group in that time. And still Um, feeling lonely. Right, and still feeling that. By the way, we need to do a podcast just on that definition of love that you just said. We, we, we will unpack that. That needs to happen. Guys, this is major, and this is something that most of us struggle with our whole lives, but it is innate in our design and the way God has designed us to grow and to become more fully alive. And the cards are stacked against us. The importance is, is massive, and God has baked this into how he desires his body of believers to function and to grow and to be known as his children, as disciples through the context of love and relationships. And we want to help because it is not easy, not natural. And being in a men's group is not enough, which is unfortunate. But we're going to unpack that in a few minutes. First, though, Lee, I think we need to take a break and jump in to one of our favorite segments, which is Man Hacks. All right, Lee, what you got for us today for man hack? And what is a man hack? First, what a man hack is, is any little tip or trick that you can do, we can pass on to you to help you do life better, easier, faster, whatever. Nice. What you got? All right. This is what I got for us today. This is what men need to know. And I've only recently discovered that some men are unaware of this, but I have a construction background. So I'm... 
I know a little bit about this. Didn't occur to me. Other guys don't know. So the difference between an impact driver and a drill, either one you can get at Home Depot. They look very similar. You might buy a cordless, either one of these things to help you as a easy, small um, power tool around the house. An impact driver is what you want for screwing screws into wood, or if you're building a deck or a fence or something like that. An impact dri driver actually taps on the screw as it's screwing it in so it goes in very easily. A drill is what you want for making precision holes. Now, either one can be used for the other thing, huh. but won't do it as well. If you are not used to using a drill, you will just strip out your screws. You'll you'll make a mess of everything. I will say professionals probably would use a drill for both. Um, actually, they would probably have both, but could use either one for both. But, that is a great man, Hackley. Yeah, impact driver versus drill. Great description. Good job. It's a thing. <laughs> I like that. All right, Robbie, what do you got for us? All right, mine's pretty simple, pretty easy. We like bacon around here. We're not going to be apologetic for that. And when you're home and you're cooking burgers on the grill, on the pan, however you're cooking burgers, you're going to want bacon with it. And when you're cooking your bacon, take the raw bacon, fold it over twice, it becomes a little triangle in the pan. And then cook it in the pan or in the microwave. Just fold it over twice. When it's raw, it cooks into a nice little triangle. Put that on your burger. And that thing just sits on that burger. Cook and it gets as a you, triangle. Yeah. Genius. In the pot. There you go. It's fantastic. All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed it. This is a section we like to call Man Hacks. All right, guys. So this is hard, and this is also the way God's designed us, to be known, to have authentic community, to experience biblical community in a way that we can experience more of God's love, to become more fully alive men. Now, what do we do? Since it's super hard, this is what we think we need to do as men in community. It's to have a conversation about this. So it might be that the most important thing for you and for your group is that instead of jumping into the next study or talking about um, the, the next series, to pause and just share, you, you can use this podcast to kick you guys off, just share where you're at relationally. What are your needs? What are your desires personally? And therefore, how can the group play a part of that or be a part of that? Because... Where you're at relationally and what you're expecting out of the group to meet those needs is a huge area of potential expectations and difference in expectations that guys have that until you can clarify and have a conversation of where you sit, you, you don't know how to move towards that. Yep. I would totally agree because, and you said that the first thing is to have a conversation. It's the and and you probably said it also, but it's the main thing is to have this yep. conversation about expectation because if you have a guy in your group or several guys in your group whose expectation is just to have some buddies to grab a beer with, to talk about sports yep. with, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just really good to know if your expectation is to go deeper and to grow spiritually you're going to be perpetually frustrated with that guy. It's not going to matter what study you choose. It's not going to matter what service project you do. You're, ne you're not going to get there without about a million reps with that, that different of an expectation. And there's different aspects of relationships. We have the guys that, like Lee just said, we want to do fantasy football with, watch the game with, hang out with, but we never go deep. We never really challenge each other, sharpen each other, or feel like when we get together, we are experiencing 
a deeper understanding of God's love for each other and helping each other grow as disciples to become better followers of Jesus. Now, there's other guys that are in our inner circle and know our last 10%. That's a different dynamic of relationship that usually aligns with that core inner circle where you're challenging and pushing each other to grow on a deeper level. And sometimes those two groups are in the same men's group. And Lee, tell us, you use language uh, with men at North Point where you say fully known by a few. To be a fully alive man, you're rooted in Jesus, fully known by a few and engaged in your in your unique calling. Fully known by a few is a unique uh, language to capture not all the guys in your group, not all the guys in different groups, but just a few. What's the difference there? Yeah, I'd say the difference is, and, and again, I mean, we're talking about this idea of expectation. And so we cast that vision all of the time that we want to be a community of men who are fully alive. And a fully alive man is one who's rooted in Jesus, fully known by a few, and engaged in his unique calling. And the reason we do that is so that guys jumping in these types of groups would have that same vision, that same expectation in mind. And a huge part of that, as you're saying, Robbie, is the fully known piece. Now, I know that most men are not completely fully known. Everybody doesn't know everything about you, your deepest, darkest, and everything else. The last 10% um, is one of the terms we use all the time. But to be the man you're meant to be, we want you to be moving toward that. We mm-hmm. want you to be moving toward becoming fully known. And so that's probably easy for some guys. They yep. Their stuff is out there and they're sharing with the whole group. For other guys who are still holding on to a few things or just don't feel safe or comfortable enough, it may be just with a couple of guys or a guy. And hopefully that's a guy you're doing life with and do it, doing life in a group with. But having that as a hope and expectation is key as we talk about this. And if you're in a group of seven or eight guys, you don't have to be best friends doing life with this expectation that you're going to do that with all seven or eight guys. Out of the seven or eight guys, typically there's a couple, one or two or three that end up going deeper, longer, and becoming more of that inside core, fully known group. And that is okay. That That is why we don't form groups of three and go, hey, you better hit three out of three. We have seven, eight guys in a group so that we can naturally connect on a deeper level with each other. And to a podcast we did a couple times ago, Lee, you talked about one-on-ones as an accelerator for the deepening of certain relationships in a group. Yeah. And I would be curious to know, Robbie, what this actually looks like in your group. I know for me, I'm a part of a couple of different men's groups. One, one of the groups is we're not super close. We haven't been together a long time. Um, we don't have a lot of reps that yep. we know each other super well at this point. Um, but I'm a part of another group where the core group within that group, you know, I would say four, four guys and myself, we've been together for 18 or 20 years. Wow. Other guys have jumped in and out at different times. There's guys who have jumped in right now. It's fantastic. We love those guys. I don't know that those guys fully even know my story, but that core group of guys does. That's why the conversation is so critical because it's okay to have different groups for different seasons, but if you're not sure what you're going after, you're just asking for frustration because of the gap in expectation between what one guy has and what another guy has. 
one guy might go, hey, I'm just one to come and learn and read some books and yep. make some new friends to, you know, just be friends and see them once a week. Yep. Another guy might be going, I don't have anybody in my life and I want to experience authentic community and really be known by a few guys. Well, those two guys are probably going to frustrate each other. So having the conversation is awesome. And my group did this about a year ago and we went around and said, hey, what are our relational expectations uh, for each other and what will happen in this group? And a few guys said, look, I'm in a season where I want to have authentic community with, with friends that I do not have currently in my life. And I want that to be an example of community that when my kids turn 18 and they describe, they go off to college and describe their dad and the relationships their dad had with other guys, they describe something that looks like this lifer inside, fully known, they know me, I know them. They have a picture of other godly men because their dad did life with them. And, and another guy in our group goes, whoa, 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 whoa. No, man, I've got that. I, my family lives in town. Yeah. I've got my college buddy who lives right next door. He just helped me move last week. I just like you guys and want to show up. That was so freeing because the frustration that we had with each other of like, hey, do you just hate me? That's why you're not you know, leaning in when everybody else is trying to build this community was just so freeing and it was it was awesome for the group. Yeah, I absolutely get that. And with my tight group, I will say that as guys have jumped in from time to time, we're we're very clear on what we want it to look like, what we yep. come there for to um just have a, a life-giving experience by sharing what's real with with the other guys. And most guys will say, Yeah, I want that. But then they don't come back. That's right. Um, I shouldn't say most guys don't come back, but some guys don't come back because in the moment you you just feel compelled to yeah. say, yes, yeah. I want that. Of course I want that. I'm not the weirdo who doesn't want that. <laughs> um, but then a lot of things come up, kids sports and and some things do come up, but some guys are just have to get out of there. They're not, it's not the step they want to take right now. So guys have a conversation with your group. That is the step. And in, in all of our men's groups, we go through the process of three questions. What does this mean for me personally? What am I going to do about it? And how can we help? What does this mean for me personally is what do I need in my life right now relationally? What am I looking for? Just share where you're at. Then what am I going to do about it is natural because is that this group? Is that outside this group? That's right. Is that your neighborhood of where you see those guys a lot more frequently? And feel free to ask more questions. Nobody has this all figured out. Nobody knows what everyone else is thinking. So if it gets to that point for you, um, ask the other guys what they're thinking. See if that resonates. And, and processing what each guy's going to do differently and asking those questions might spur you onto some ideas. That's because right. again, this doesn't happen naturally as we discussed earlier. So processing what you're going to do about it and what that's going to look like. Um, without that plan, it's not going to happen. That's the tension in this whole topic. And then the third part is how can we help is is so natural with this topic because we are there for each other and based on what each of us wants to do about this tension and then what the plan is, that, that lends to an opportunity to go, okay, if there's multiple guys in this group that have similar desires for what we want these relationships to look like, then the question is, how do we move towards that? What do, what do we do practically? Lee, you've given um, some tools and techniques to guys' yes. groups, guys in men's groups, married groups. Tell us about what those are for yeah. a very practical transferring of applying these truths. Yeah, if you're one of our group leaders, certainly at this point, you've seen our intentionality plan 
template that we've given given to you. Um, it can be found by anybody at groupleaders.org slash NPMen. It's the 12-month intentionality plan. And it really talks about what what content do we want to hit, what what should growth what growth assignments, relational assignments do we want to do? Um, do we want to have a scripture focus, a prayer focus? What socials would we like to to do as a group? And um, what's our plan for doing one-on-ones with each other in the group? It has all of those things, but again, can't emphasize enough that original question that Robbie started out with about expectation is key in this. All of those things um, are just the recipe. That's right. If you don't have the heart and the desire for the the end product, then then you're not going to be motivated to really get together with families that's or exactly do an right. overnighter and put and invest the time right. and energy into really building the the relational building blocks yeah. that lead to that if whatever community you want. Goal for jumping in a group is to get away from your family. Yeah, that, that yeah. would be good to know. <laughs> that's right. So, so there's all kinds of examples of things you can do outside of your 90 minutes. But what I hear you saying is that if we want to be fully known by a few and really experience community and relationship the way God's designed us to experience it in order to thrive and receive his love. Which leads to all kinds of incredible things. I mean, we talked about the health factor earlier, but I, as I was thinking about this and reading through scriptures, I mean, it talks about... Um, these type relationships or deep relationships covering up sins and making up for sins. That's a whole nother podcast too. How does love and relationship cover sin? But in doing all those things, that is not going to happen in a 90 minute a week group is what I hear you saying. That's right. It's not going to happen in the show up, go through the motions group. So God's design for us, we have addressed through doing these small group things. We've at least cr- tried to create a structure to help us move from isolation into experiencing authentic community in order to, to grow spiritually. But if you just show up 90 minutes a week, you are probably bumping up into a ceiling that is beneath the potential that God has for you, which is being fully known by a few and experiencing authentic community. And, and those are the things that... Um, if you understand where you're at and what you need, then you can do overnighters, get together with families, do a service project, break out of that cycle, which typically 90 minutes a week, but then you go back to your normal life is not going to be a cadence that really reflects some of the scripture you talked about. It'll get close and it helps us. I'm not bashing small right. groups, but it's a step without the, it's not the whole. Is that what I hear you saying? That's exactly Right. And exactly what we're trying to say. And I understand that some of this to some degree is is theoretical or idealistic. I mean, we're 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 definitely kind of shooting for the stars here. But I think we have a better chance of hitting those stars if we are asking that question that you said, what do I need relationally? That's if it. we are, are just asking guys to be super honest, to to ask inside themselves, what do I need relationally? And then to have that conversation in the group is a, an absolute game changer. That's it, guys. That is it. And we need to leave it at there because if you guys go into your group and just say, what do I need relationally? What does this mean for me personally? And then the follow-up question of what am I going to do about it and how can we help? Yep. You have each other to have this conversation. You're on second base. And then grab a tool like the intentionality plan and jump off from there. Go from there. But you may honestly, you may need to hit a timeout in your group and say, guys, we need to take one night to 
to ask this question. You know, we get the question all the time of how do I make guys show up to my group? I think expectation is a factor in there. Yep. Guys may just not be on the same page. Yep. And guys, whoever's listening to this, it takes courage to be the one to bring this up because it shows vulnerability. That's because right. vulnerability is this is my need that I'm going to allow you to meet as somebody else, which is a dangerous, risky thing because you're putting it out there, which means whoever brings this up and talks about it in a group is the guy with the most courage. And it can lead to just freedom and connectedness in a group by aligning expectations and being aware of those, which can lead to so much freedom. We hope you guys do this. We hope you experience the freedom of it and move towards being fully known by a few. Lee, this was a ton of fun. I love this conversation and we're probably going to have it again because it is so integral to how God has designed us to thrive as men. But before we wrap up and send you guys out, We've got a couple minutes in a segment we like to call Wisdom from the Woods for you guys to enjoy. Here's a few minutes from our friend, John Woodall. This past week, I turned 65, and a really good friend of mine, Dan Stoniker, texted me this question. So what are the reflections of a godly man at 65? And that question, man, just ignited my thinking, my mind. I started processing, ended up writing probably 11 pages of reflections over the last 65 years. And then my friend Lee Rogers said, well, what would you say to somebody 30 years behind you? That, too, I thought was just a great question. So depending on where you are, here's a couple of ideas that I've thought about on my 65th birthday, the very first thing I would say is love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's where it starts. It starts in a deep, personal, loving relationship with God the Father, His Son, and His Spirit. Very quickly after that, I would say be a lover and be a student of God's Word. Spend as much time as you can letting the Word of God change you and renew your mind, letting the truth replace lies. Be a man of God as you're a man of his word. Something I would say to you guys that are perhaps in your 30s is begin with the end in mind. Think about the end. Dream about the end. Work toward the end. Work toward the person that you want to be 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now. And if you're thinking, well, I don't, I don't know what that looks like yet, I would say find a man or men who embody who you want to be and spend time with them. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. One thing that I've been learning still, even this far into the game is, I wanna say as often as I can, Father, not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Think about that. Guys, this was a ton of fun. Lee, as always, it's an honor. Sorry I didn't know your siblings' names. Like it, subscribe it, share this podcast with the guys in your group to tee up the conversation. We hope it's helpful. See you next time.